Welcome, everyone, to the Cultivate and Keep podcast, where we talk about what it means to be a man as a Christian. And today, Jeremy is still uh, gallivanting around in Europe with his wife. And so I have the lovely pleasure to have Jack McDade on as a guest, who I'm super stoked. Um, Jack is the founder of Statimic. Am I pronouncing it right? Boom. Nailed it. Awesome. Also a designer, a writer, developer. He also sometimes describes himself as the ultimate webmaster, which we can get into. Um, but I wanted to bring Jack <laughs> on because he isn't shy about his faith online. Uh, he's also just a really interesting guy. So Jack, thanks for coming on the podcast. Ooh, thanks for all the kind words and thanks for having me. Awesome. Super stoked. So maybe to start, um, could you just tell us something? How would you describe yourself? Like what, what does Jack McDade do? Because you're not a very uh, conventional guy in, 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 the, in the least. Ask me on three different days. I'll tell you three different things. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, I usually call myself a uh, fully grown human being. And along with that comes with whatever I'm doing at the time. So yeah, I, I design, I write. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I built Statimic, uh, not by myself, but uh, with a team. And, um, so I've been doing that for the last seven years. It went from like a small, uh, side project to like a full-time company. So that's kind of mm. part of it, but, uh, we homeschool our kids. Um, you know, I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life. Uh, I, I love people. I'm an extrovert. Um, I live in upstate New York. I don't know. I could just keep throwing out facts. I love, I'm a giant nerd. I love the outdoors, uh, long walks on the, you know, the back of a large dragon, whatever. Like, <laughs> I love a regular, that, just a just a regular guy. Right. We're I think we're all regular to some degree. We're all we have all these different aspects of our life. Um, I want to uh, reverse for a second. Could you just tell us a little bit about your upbringing, uh, your upbringing, um, family, where you grew up, how you grew up? Just kind of give us a picture of um, you know how Jack grew up and how he got to where he is today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I grew up in upstate New York. I was bo- born in Virginia and then moved here in 1990. And uh, yeah, Christian family. My parents were Christians, uh, so my whole life kind of in the church. Um, it was kind of around my more formative years. We were sort of in like a legalistic sort of situation. So that's kind of part of my past is mm-hmm. uh, kind of this aversion to you know legalism in pretty much every form because it was it was a pretty negative experience for me and like something that me and my siblings, my parents have all kind of worked through over the last you know twenty years or so like of of adulthood. And, uh, so that's kind of part of, of the past, right? Like I remember having a burn barrel and we were like burning ET and Mary Poppins and like, uh, DC talk albums, which is like crazy. Cause no, not DC <laughs> I know, talk. I Jeremy know. Cry over that right now. He was, he's the biggest DC talk nerd. Sure. Yeah. They're great. So like, I wasn't, you know, it was like gospel music, classical music, you know, it was kind of, I had, had a small window, a couple years in my past that, that, that was like that. And that's kind of part of my uh, you know, like my, my testimony, my story is like, that is part of it. And I, I can identify that in others. I can kind of see when people are struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I was homeschooled. My, my siblings were all homeschooled and we're just like in a suburban town in upstate New York. And, you know, I had a lot of friends in the neighborhood, a lot of time in the pool in the, in the summertime, uh, you know, aggressive inline skating, playing video games, like all that kind of stuff, just a pretty, like pretty normal, like nineties, uh, you know, upbringing. Uh, also, yeah, kind of like strict uh, rules in the house. Wasn't allowed to watch, listen to stuff, you know, that's kind of mm. part of it. But other than that, pretty, I don't know, probably a lot like a, a lot of the listeners, probably similar story to a lot of kind of, you know, middle, middle class, um, suburban America kind of upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so everyone's story is unique. And you mentioned kind of this idea of uh, legalism and um, maybe a little bit stricter rules. I also can attest, you know, just maybe not as strict, but also being homeschooled, you just kind of, uh, I think it's a similar kind of tendency or maybe even temptation to kind of um, have that be kind of your um, outlook on your faith and kind of who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me a little bit about like your testimony? I mean, and how you found the Lord and also kind of uh, that transition maybe out of or away of or kind of evolution from maybe a more legalistic view of your faith. Yeah. Uh, so the legalism was never my faith. That was always just kind of yeah. like, put on me and I never, it never felt right to me. I'm like, show me in the Bible where like imagination is wrong. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I ne- good point. Right. So it, it was that whole, like, oh, if there's anything that resembles witchcraft or like sorcery, the only possible explanation for it would be demons. Like, you know, or we could make up a whole new world where it's just like <laughs> science and like, where's the demons in that? And like, you know, I never, it never clicked for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as my testimony, like, like I mentioned, I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I was never not aware, never not in the Christian, uh, you know, world, faith or whatever. But there is that in your formative years, there's that translation from like, oh, this is what we do because like this is the world. And, and then you like look at the world and you're like, well, what's he doing? And like, mm-hmm. what are they doing over there? And you're like, wait a second. Everybody doesn't believe this. And then it has to become your personal faith. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you... I think there was probably a number of years where it didn't really translate. I just started like going through the motions and just like, I'd rather not like, it wasn't really a personal thing. I would just go to church and I would say the words and I'd pray with my family. And I'm sure that like a lot of us, there's just that, that period where you're like, eh, it's just something you do. And you know, I'm sure it's fine. And I'm probably saved. Like I'll pray it a couple more times just in case. And then, um, you know, and then in college, uh, got into this college and career group, which was, extremely transformational for me. I just, uh, you know, 20, 25, like really solid Christian people, solid, like adult leaders who just really wanted to like pour into kids. Uh, we met up all the time, like half of us were all at the same college and we had like similar breaks. So I just like this whole, uh, you know, the first two years of college for me, I was in a community college and it was just like, it just changed my life. Hmm. And uh, you know, like my non-Christian friends who I was hanging out with, like some of them got saved and just like, everybody was just like this giant, like party of like Christians, uh, you know, just living for Jesus. And it was great. And, you know, that became like that, that point in my life where that relationship between me and, and Christ was like personal. And, you know, then fast forward again, like there's another period in my life where, uh, had a really unique opportunity to have a mentor who's still a mentor of mine. Um, but, uh, a, a man who is, I can't talk a lot about him online, like digitally because of like security reasons, but he's like really involved in the global, like underground church and like mentoring and like leadership, uh, uh, like on a movement level. Mm-hmm. And he was like local to me and I got to be in, in like a really small, tight, uh, Bible study is not really the right word. It was like a rabbinical style, a discipleship group where you basically was the closest I could imagine to like being with an apostle or like, you know, not, not Jesus. Right. Cause like we're all men, but <laughs> it was, um, really life-changing to spend a lot of time with someone really smart, really grounded in their faith. Who's like gone around the world and seen the church in every shape and form. And like, you know, was there, I can't really talk too much about it, but, um, 
that just changed me. That, that, that grew the depth of my relationship and like, Hmm. and changed my view, like in a lot of pragmatic ways, practical ways. And, uh, just really kind of opened my eyes to the real challenge we have in the world and kind of got outside of my, like, this is, this is what church looks like. It's a Sunday morning thing. But on Sunday morning, we say it's not only about Sunday morning. And then we make it about Sunday morning. You're like, well, why do we do that? Right? Like, Oh, it's all about what's through the week. Well, okay. What are we doing this week? Oh, I don't know. You have to come back next Sunday to find out. You're like, "Uh, (laughs) stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah. Stay tuned. There's going to be new drums. Like, okay, that's cool. Whatever. Uh, anyway, so I mean, that's kind of like the kind of the three phases of of my uh, spiritual hmm. walk, my testimony, and it's you know, there's no like one big moment where like I got stabbed in an alleyway and you know like an angel and like you know <laughs> most of us don't have stories like that. Right, right, yeah, that's super interesting because I. I think, uh, yeah, again, a lot of people can probably attest to this, but I went through a similar experience in that grew up in a Christian home, uh, great family upbringing, but basically, you know, the faith wasn't mine, but also um, it wasn't quite real in the same way uh, as it was until it was sort of like just in hibernation a little bit, where it was just like right. kind of like a seed, right? It, just, it hadn't really like sprouted into something for myself totally. yet until it was a couple of different events in my life. Um really the, the big one was in high school. There was a, kind of a conference and that was really the, f- the first time where I felt like, you know, I wanted to take ownership and re- I knew God and I wanted to know more about God and I wanted to give my life over to him. But what do you think for you? Um, I mean, I know that those things were kind of the catalyst that kind of like mm-hmm. helped you, you know, sprout that seed a little bit or, you know, the, the group in your, your first two years, <clears throat> this kind of discipleship and apostleship a little bit, but what do you think it was about those experiences that helped you um, kind of sprout that seed and, and make your faith your own and, and make Christianity real for you? I think it was the people who I was around, um, the leaders, the mentors, who you actually could see their life and actually see what it looks like to be an effective Christian, hmm. right? So you're in the church, and if you're just there on Monday or Sunday mornings, or if you're in a church as Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, I was in one of those for a while. Every, like, the people on the stage talking, they all, like, talk, burp, 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 they do the stuff, and then they go around, and they just act totally different all the time. And, like, they're not living in a way that that's different from you know, your next door neighbor or the guy down the street or like the guy running the convenience store and just like another, you're like, okay, wait, I got a new TV and my car suite. And you're like, yeah, that's, I mean, I like a nice <laughs> car, but like, what, like, is, that's not why we're here. And so to be around people who like didn't care about all that stuff and, and didn't, and also didn't want you to know how much they didn't care about that in a way that's also looping back around and kind mm. of self-serving, right? Yeah. There's people who are genuinely like, sold out for Jesus, just like looking for, like making friends, telling truth, loving Jesus and seeing that in like a practical everyday kind of way just changed everything. Hmm. And then, you know, you add some, some theology to that, that is not, uh, preached as much or, you know, it's just kind of danced around in the church and, you know, you start to really see what's actually going on here. What's, why are, why do we exist? (laughs) who am I? What's our purpose? And like, I don't know, it just kind of changed everything to see that, um, outside of like the church building. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So transitioning a little bit more to your career, like what basically after all these events and, and all this, 
you kind of, you know, we all have to uh, make a living, grow. I mean, we all kind of have things that we want to do in life. So um, I saw that you actually majored in marketing, um, essentially, and then became a web developer. You know, what's your Uh career progression been like? You know, how and why did you learn uh, how to code? And, you know, basically take me through kind of how your career got started and what, what that what that's been like. Yeah, I've like three point turned my way into my career like six times. So my <laughs> original goal from being a kid, I wanted to go to film school and be a director or a producer or whatever. That was my goal. And my family was so tight that like going away to college was just not an option. Like it would have kind of broken the family if I were to move out. And I wasn't willing to do that. And so the closest I could get to film school to making movies or TV shows or whatever was maybe I can make commercials. And so how do I get into commercials? Oh, that's advertising. And so advertising is a thing. Um, usually outsource the making of the commercials to somebody else. I didn't know about that. Right. So I'm like, all right, what's the closest to advertising that this college has? Oh, it's marketing. So I'll go to school for marketing. And that's kind of how I ended up in marketing. Turns out how they teach you marketing in college is completely useless. And uh, <laughs> total waste of time. I mean, you know, there's other, there's benefits to college they're few but whatever uh so i i I get my degree in marketing management um from thomas college up in maine i lived in maine for two years then i moved back to upstate new york then i got a job doing sales and marketing and it was for a like company that was like paperless solutions so like hey we'll scan your paper and we'll turn it into electronics and this is like 2005 2006 And it was all government contracts. And here I am like 21, 22, like right out of college going up to these like 65 year old men, like, Hey, you should totally do this technology thing. And they're like, "Mm, nah, (laughs) I'm like, okay, this sucks. I made no money in that job. I just needed to get anything. So then I, then I got into recruiting because it was, I knew a guy He's like, Oh, you could come do this for a while until you find something like, okay. So I did that. And then I had enough marketing because of that job on my resume that I got a interactive marketing job at a large web agency. Hmm. So they were, you know, kind of typical 100, 150 person, a lot of logos, doing stuff for like Fortune 100 companies. And I was doing interactive, like online marketing slash light front end development there. And they needed somebody who can like actually tweak some HTML. And like the whole, I always did that stuff on the side, like back since like GeoCities and just like always had fan pages and like built stuff for people. And so ended up, like getting a hybrid job where I really liked the dev stuff more and like enjoyed, like I, I really hated like the marketing, like the the corporate like machine of that. And so I got into code, got pretty good at that and then got hired out to start the web agency or like the web group for a smaller agency, like a 10 person company. And then grew grew with them for a couple of years. It kind of got my, um, my uh, merit badge for the 80 hour work week lifestyle, right? I think a lot of us have been through or maybe currently in that job right now where it's, they own you, they own you. Right. And it's like the golden handcuffs. They pay you pretty good and they own you. They just tell you what your life is like. And so I did that for a while until I couldn't do it anymore. And then we had a kid. I was like, I can't, like I, I haven't seen him for like five days, right? So you like, you, you get up and you go to work and you don't come home until your kid's in bed. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. So I quit and started my own thing. I can keep going. Can we just keep going? Yeah. So I mean, that's exactly what I was going to lead to is, uh, I guess that's kind of the impetus for Statomic now, right? 
Not yet. Oh no, we got some. No, stuff not yet. I'll do it. I'll do it quickly. Yeah. So, um, I just I just needed to do anything else. So we were doing a lot of websites. We were building like large websites for at the at the time it was like mostly pharmaceutical companies, which I hated, by the way. And these were like <laughs> six figure web projects, two three hundred thousand dollars. And I'm not going to say any company names just to keep things safe, but like sometimes they were done in a weekend, right? Like it, I would just like be me in the hotel on the way to the meeting. And be like, we didn't finish it. And like, I'll just build a new one. And so you'd build the website and you're like, this looks great. And they write you a big fat check. I'm like, oh my God, this is one. This is a lot of money. I could do this on my, on my own. Cause mm. I actually did sometimes like it would just be all me. Uh, and then like, and I could charge them 10% as much or 1% as much and still make more money and do less work. So I was, you know, I looked for some, some work on the side. I was like running a meetup group called build guild. So I had like a decent network of, of, you know, people on companies and agencies. And so I just kind of scrounged up some work, found some projects, quit my job and figured like, I got a runway. Right. So I have an, I had an emergency fund. We were out of debt. All that kind of stuff was like kind of set up pretty well. And like had one three month project lined up. I quit, started it, and it just started rolling from there. Hmm. So I did a lot of, you know, as a, a solo freelancer and I would, you know, bring on a contractor if like the timeline was too tight or needed, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an all arounder, but I don't go super crazy deep in any one thing. Um, so if there's some like really, I don't know, like highly, like some API thing, I like bring some guy in who's like, oh yeah, I know that API. And then, um, along the way just really got tired of the tools that i was using and that's when statimate came in so i wanted to um solve some of those problems and i know this this is not a is this a highly technical podcast i don't think so we don't need to not really to, nope yeah so it's a thing it's a content management system and it works in some ways that are unique or at least were unique in 2012 and started that on the side and slowly over the years have transitioned from that being a side project to you know 50 percent client work 50% product and now we're 100% product hmm. so that's it's been a nice transition I've enjoyed it a lot yeah and that's yeah. my career that's awesome and I want to uh you skipped over something really interesting but you said that kind of the reason why you were able to kind of jump in and basically you know quit your job not have something entirely lined up but just basically like you knew the direction you were going and you had some things lined up but it was mm -hmm. because uh you said that you were out of debt and you basically like had emergency funds saved up like was that intentional yeah. was that part of the plan or did that just kind of happen out of happenstance i i mean it was i was probably part of god's plan um it wasn't something we were doing in order for me to quit it was something that we had done and it made it easier to quit so we went through the dave ramsey financial peace university class back in i was like 2008 or something 2009 and like said yep this is <laughs> this is definitely smart advice and you know, paid off the car, paid off the blah blah blah, blah got out of debt. And the the options that present themselves when you're out of debt, like you, there's things you can do. There's risks that you can take when you don't have an extra one, two, three thousand dollars a month full of you know bills and car payments and stuff mm -hmm. that you're working on, right? And so we were able to say like, all right, what's the worst that can happen? You do this project, you know, the worst that can happen is like if they they don't pay you your second half. All right. So we've got six weeks of work because that's up front. If that doesn't work out, like you can find, you know, enough work to keep 
it going. And if you don't, we've got six weeks. You know enough people, you can probably get a job if you have to go back to work. And, you know, we knew we had, you know, really like six months to make it work. And there wasn't one month where we had to use savings. Like it just, Mm. it just started rolling and it was okay. And so, yeah, I think being like debt is bad. Uh, Debt is especially um, if you're trying to go out on your own, if you're trying to like stay flexible and keep your options open. I've had to relearn some stuff. Dave Ramsey advice doesn't always apply when you're an entrepreneur. There are cases where Mm. debt just a little bit would have like opened up a lot of opportunities. Um, and I was like pretty strict, uh, Dave Ramsey kind of like <laughs> fanboy for a while, but right. that's okay. We all learn, we all grow. Yeah. And it's, I think it's the principles, right. And especially those foundational things that really helped you launch into what you wanted to do. And so now you're, you're building your own thing. You have this kind of, uh, this side project, this idea that you want to pursue and eventually it turned into your full-time thing. Right. And so could you walk yeah. me through like, uh, the progression and the timeline I think you said you started that in 2012. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. 2012. Yeah. And so then, go ahead. And then now it's 2020 and we're still doing it. Ta-da! Like, <laughs> <laughs> you made it success. <laughs> I have done it. Um, yeah, the, uh, the progression is, has been interesting. It's, uh, I don't even, a lot of it's been just organic growth, uh, stuff happening on accident or just having enough time to focus on it. There's been a couple of key points between, you know, 2012 and now that have really changed the business fundamentally and how, um, you know, revenue and making it, um, you know, more, more profitable, make it a better product for people or marketing that's actually more effective. A number of those things were, um, like putting, like having at least one person completely full-time on it. So if you have like maybe, uh, you know, at the time, this was a couple of years ago, uh, I had one full-time guy, Jason Varga. He's awesome. He's still on the team. Like I, Statimic wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And there was a point where we were doing all this client work and we were building stuff. And like, like it, we kind of, we had great clients. Like I loved my clients. If anybody's listening, I've, wor- I've enjoyed working with every single one of you. But having a lot of different deadlines that like, <laughs> it's not their fault that they don't, mash up well like internally like in our company right. right and so i was like oh god i had to launch two things on thursday and it's wednesday and i haven't started one of them and they both need it and it's both legit like and i promised both of them like those situations i never loved mm. that and we decided like all right if static is ever going to be the thing and i think we want it to be the thing because we love it someone needs to be on it full time because there needs to be consistent progress if you're not moving forward you're moving backwards like treading water is not like a state uh, spiritually or professionally, uh, that like really exists, right? Lukewarm is, you might as well be doing nothing. So put him on full time. And I said, you get to be the guy, like someone needs to at least talk to the client. (laughs) So it can't be me until we can afford it. So we did that. And I mean, I'm not saying it was overnight, but it's about as overnight as he possibly could. Putting him full time freed me up to have to like content context switch more often so he could stay on stuff which let me focus more on on my free time for it being marketing and so the marketing side actually started to pay off more so that it actually grew instead of basically treading water year after year we were kind of in this like same like flat line for like four or five years and that was like catalyst number one that 
like started to like move the needle Mm. and it wasn't by the end of the year before like he was completely like his salary was covered by statomic and then the next year mine was and then we hired a third person and so yeah that's been good yeah that's amazing so today i mean how big is it how much uh how many people is it still the three of you how is it structured i'm just trying to get get an idea of like what's the size of this kind of whole project yeah, uh, that's a good question. It depends on how you define big. Like in kilobytes, it's pretty huge, actually. <laughs> right. um, in lines of code, it's it's also large. Compared to WordPress, a competitor of ours, it's we basically might as well don't exist. Um, <laughs> we're we're pretty popular in Germany, if that's what you mean by big. Um, Interesting. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, we have over twenty five thousand like registered users, but. Um, we don't have recurring revenue. Like it's a, it's a license fee. So you buy it once for your site. And then, you know, if there's like a major version upgrade, you like buy the upgrade. Um, and like 20% of those users are all like Russian spam anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're still three people currently three full timers. We're all on this full time. The community is really active. There's some, uh, you know, we have a partner network of, of some great developers and freelancers who kind of like, uh, take point of doing a lot of the, uh, like the work, like client work, stuff that comes in, we like pass it off to other people because people are always requesting, hey, can you build a site with us? And so we send them to the, the partners. Mm. Um, and 0.03% of the top 100,000 sites run on Statomic, which is, wow. it's measurable. Right, it's a number. <laughs> it's, very, it's very small, but it's it's measurable. Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the scope of it. I mean, it is a, a slightly niche product for uh it's focused for developers primarily mm-hmm. but uh can like the developer it's focused on developer happiness that could be like hand off handed handed off handed often that's how you say it <laughs> hand, for for have has heading handing it off <laughs> to someone else a non-technical person yeah to manage their website yeah um yeah that's super cool it's so it's good the the one thing i think probably a lot of us are wondering whether they're an entrepreneur themselves or if they're not and they want to be or if they're just curious i mean is what does your day and week and life look like uh running a business you know like is it four hour work week tim ferris style is it 80 hour work weeks now again because it's just crazy hair on fire all the time i mean i'd love to know yeah. kind of what what is your day and especially kind of work life look like as an entrepreneur yeah. Um, Monday to Friday, nine to five is, is kind of like the goal. I think you should be able to do most of the stuff if your company is sane and not on fire inside that window. Uh, there's a lot of studies. Like if you read Tim Ferriss, he believes one thing. If you read other people, they believe different things. I think we probably have between four and five really good productive hours in us a day, right? Like if you, if you can block it out, if you can get into a nice state state of flow, you can get some good stuff done. And then there's the busy work. There's like support emails and like tweets and like scheduling stuff and payroll, all that stuff needs to happen too. So my goal is to get um, four or five good blocks of work done per week and then fill in the rest of the time. Like as long as, you know, the, the kids are playing video games and it's not like interfering with anything with everything. Uh, you know, get all the rest of that stuff done. And so it ends up looking mostly like a 35 to a 45 hour week. Mm. Uh, there are certain weeks when we know like, all right, we did commit to this thing or there's like a bug fix or there's a whatever, like I've worked a 50 or 60 hour work, work week in the last couple of years, but I could count them on one hand. Right. Mm. Uh, I don't want my guys to do that. Like you're, we're way more, way more productive when we're rested and we're not burnt out and strung out all the way 
uh, you know, week after week after week. So, I mean, that's what it looks like for me is kind of, you know, hit support first thing, work out the plan for the day, try and get the, the meaty thing done and then use the rest of the time to kind of, you know, do the emails, do the support, like fix up the other stuff, hop on discord, chat with people, hop on Twitter, do stuff that doesn't scale, uh, do stuff that isn't directly related to the business, but kind of ends up tracking back to it later. You know, there's a lot of different things that I do that aren't like directly lines of code on the product. Mm. Um, and I think that's something I had to learn is also part of growing the business. It's like, you know, we have our own personal networks and we have people come into your business, to your product, a lot of different ways. And one of them is, um, you as a person versus static, the product mm. and, uh, that, that stuff works. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So getting back a little bit more personally now, again, what would yeah. you say your kind of strengths or, or, or gifts or, or, um, kind of talents are, you know, if you will, like, uh, I know you said that you, you guys have your team of three now where you hire people out mm -hmm. to specialize in certain things. Obviously you have things that you enjoy doing or that at least you're most qualified sure. to do, but also I mean, personally, right. Like Jack McDade as a person, um, what would you say your strengths or kind of gifts are? Yeah, I, I think kind of goes back to my upbringing, uh, homeschooling. I, I learn, I self-teach really well mm. and I learn quickly, which is good. I, I use that as much as I can. I rarely master anything and I, I tend to get bored of stuff before I reach any sort of state of like advanced technical in-depth knowledge. And so instead of looking at that as a con or like a negative, like, oh, I can't master whatever JavaScript framework thing, testing library or whatever design, whatever it is, I just say, I'll go as far as I can and I'll bring in people to supplement the rest. And so mm. I like going wide. I do a lot of stuff, right? Like, um, I use the, the things that I'm kind of better at, which tend to be like design, uh, writing and, um, communicating. And so a lot of those things translate into like when I write code, it tends to be more like the user experience side of stuff, like actually, you know, like moving stuff around and like rewiring the way it works so that it is smoother, but like the really technical architecture type stuff I have, like my other guys handle, you know, like the caching layers and like all those like really nitty gritty bits, right? Like that's, that's why I bring someone else in. Right. Um, so like that's, that's uh, kind of one of my strengths. Um, you know, I can look at stuff and see a lot of ways to improve it. Like I'm, I'm less of an idea guy, but more of like an optimizer improver. Mm. And so like I, you know, some people have like a thousand ideas, like I've got to, I'm going to start a thousand businesses. And I've had like two like pretty decent ideas and <laughs> Statamic is like one of them. So I just stuck with it. Um, so I, you know, why, why make yourself do something you're not, not good at? I like to go, you know, where there's momentum. Um, I think I have a pretty good intuition and use, uh, I kind of use my gut a lot more than data to make decisions. Uh, doesn't always work out the best that way, but more often than not, it does. Mm. And um, I also love the 80s and the 90s. So like that, <laughs> I find a way to like to just like paint everything with a brush of like retro delight. Uh, it's just, I don't know if that's a strength or a talent, but it is something that's important. It's a gift. Well, we'll call it that. <laughs> um, and, and so you're married, you have kids now as well. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about how you and your wife got married and uh, what it's been like also having kids as well. Uh, we'll, we'll start there. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, so I met my wife when we were six wow. at church. We went to the same church, and that's how I knew her. I mean, we were, you know, our families were friends. We, like, would hang out, but whatever, you're six. And then uh, the church split, and we went somewhere else. And then I re-met in college at that college and careers Bible study I mentioned before. She was there uh-huh. when I joined that. I was like, hey, I know you. And she's like, who are you? Because <laughs> she looked, I could tell it was her, but she didn't know it was me. I had the, the bowl cut in the 90s, and... I didn't anymore, so she didn't figure that out. But anyway, so we re-met. Um, she broke up with her boyfriend the next day. We were, like, going out a month later. Yeah, and that was kind of, like, the rest of it just sort of, like, happened. Um, we had to do long distance for two years because I was in, in Maine mm. finishing college. My parent my parents moved up there for a little while. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's how we met. We got married in 2006, so it's, what, 13 years. It'll be 14 this October. Mm. Um it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. What what's been uh maybe like the most rewarding part of being married for you? Uh just having someone to share your life with, yeah. someone to balance you out, um someone to like um to like I'm I'm pretty spontaneous and not that she's not, but she anchors me, like holds back the ridiculous stuff <laughs> and I push her a little bit on the other and it it, it works out great. We balance each other really really well. Mm. Yeah. That's that's it for me. Is there anything that you wish you would have uh, learned or, or known earlier? Um, I assume, I mean, it sounds like you guys probably got married right when you guys were maybe like 22, 23, just out of college, right? Um, so it's not like... Yeah, a, I was 23. She was 24. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not like a ton of life experience. I can speak from personal experience also, yeah. like being basically right, did that too? right around there. Yeah. I mean, we got married at 22. Um, only 24 yep. now, almost 25. That's the Christian thing to do. Right. <laughs> but, but being, you know, kind of married young, uh, is there anything that you wish you kind of would have known earlier or maybe would have learned a little bit earlier? Something you wish, you know, kind of like light bulb moment where you're like, oh, my life would have been a little bit easier back then if I had only had this one thing. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's anything that would have been easier. I kind of wish I took the chance to do a few like dumb, stupid things that only I care about before I got married, you know, like my wife just doesn't want to go to Japan. And I just always like, I just want to, I just should have just gone to Tokyo for like two weeks. Uh, now I, I don't know that I ever will. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, stuff like that. And there's some, but that's not, I mean, it's not that important. Like, it's not like, Oh man, I really messed up my life. Cause I didn't get to take a vacation. Like that's not that important. Right. Um, no, I'm I'm really happy with how things went. We were really anchored, uh, like in the word and and with our relationships when we got married and stuff has grown. And you know, I think one of the the better things that I'm more proud of in my life is is my marriage. Hmm. It's like really, really good. Yeah. Do you uh, do you think that some of that was modeled after your parents or someone else you knew, or like um, what? Essentially, I'm trying to understand like uh, for you and like what. Mm-hmm. what you think you have now, right? A successful marriage. Like, is that from any lessons or learn or things that you learned from other people from the way that you grew up or like essentially what, what do you think has made for a really successful marriage between you two? Dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be a God thing. I don't want to say like it, like it wasn't any one person and I don't want to like talk bad about anybody. I, right. you know, there were, we didn't have like an ideal like married couple we emulated our lives after if anything it was maybe more the opposite like uh, why do they why is it like that why do they seem like they Mm. why are they married or like 
they're always fighting. You know, we have like friends who get married and they like fight all the time, but some people like to fight. And so you two people get married and they like to fight and like that they're fine with that. And that's okay for them. Like, all right, sure. We don't, me and my wife don't fight very much. We're, we're very much on the same page about a lot of things. And I don't know, it just, it's always felt really natural. And I, I, unfortunately don't have a lot of like good sound bites in this category because <laughs> okay. it's just like it it just like i married the perfect woman for me and it's been great nice like, nice just, well if if that, you're if your wife is listening we can send her that sound bite that'll be a good one <laughs> <laughs> um yep. so one of the things that you guys definitely would have to be on the same page about is homeschooling um, why did you guys decide to homeschool and, and how's that been? How old are your kids also? That'd be a good question to ask too. Yeah. Uh, a 10, seven and four. Okay, wow. And when, yeah. So when we got married and when we first had kids really, even like when they got to the first one, got to school age, we're like, we're not going to homeschool. I'm like, nah, that's just too much work. I don't see it for us. So we put our first kid in kindergarten and first grade, I think maybe second grade. I forget. Uh, yeah, I think in second grade and I just didn't like who he was becoming. Like both of us were, you know, he'd come off the bus and he'd be like really angry for some reason. And he'd be like really wound up. And it was like, we didn't really know why. And he's kind of young enough that he couldn't really explain it. And I just think that in the environment on the bus and, you know, like the environment at the school, just, it wasn't suited for him. And Mm. like the way he likes to learn and the way he, you know, his, his interests. And so, you know, we decided, uh, I I read this really good book, which I would recommend, uh, called stop stealing dreams by uh, Seth Godin. It's like a ebook that he wrote a number Mm. of years ago and it's free. You don't have to buy it. Just Google it. There's like PDFs all over the place. And it talks about the school or the school system and what it, like how it was designed back in the industrial revolution and how it really hasn't changed since then. And, And the reasons why it hasn't, and like they're, they're fair, but they're not great the result of them is a lackluster education system because of like the scale that it needs to run at and so what homeschooling lets us do is tailor it to each kid and so that you know they can learn things that they're interested in when they're interested in them and not later or not too soon we can put stuff off we can rearrange things we can use you know their interests as the backdrop for you know learning how to write or read or math or science like if you're they're super into sharks and so like all right well let's let's do like sharks and water aquatic nature science stuff for now like they'll eventually be like yeah sharks are like you know it's like a shark whatever and so like all right well now we're gonna go back and we'll learn about bugs or i don't know whatever right and so it, it lets you freestyle that and have a totally different style for each kid and we've loved that and i mean it's not like it's nothing's perfect there's you know struggles for here and there and like that's fine but uh the other thing it lets us do is be flexible with uh travel and we love to sleep in although i don't get to do that because i go to the gym pretty early but (laughs) you know they they we we are like late night people and we get to make our own schedule we travel we move you know go around we do stuff and we set our schedule and all that stuff works out Mm. together to make homeschooling a pretty net positive for us yeah that's awesome is that something yeah. that you and your wife have managed to do together or is it mainly your wife? Um, like, I mean, I, yeah. I assume, especially with three kids, it has to be a ton of work, right? 
Yeah, it, it is it is a lot of work. It's probably less work than it might seem, but it's not it's definitely not by any means no work. Um it is mostly her at this point right now. I want to be more involved, and that's kind of one of my ongoing goals is to to be more involved. I am uh I jump in for certain projects and certain things, like especially when it comes to like writing and storytelling. That's kind of one of more my more like natural mm. inclinations. And so I do some of that stuff with especially with our oldest. I am hoping that uh, after kind of some certain milestones with the business, I will have more time to put into homeschooling as well. And it's, we're kind of at that age. It's like, they're all young enough. They need to learn how to read, write and do math. And that's like the most important thing without beating the love of learning out of them or the love of reading out of them. So if you can, if we can get through this phase and into like kind of that next you know, uh, middle school, junior high kind of like age, I think there's some really cool stuff I want to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So switching gears a little bit again. Uh, yeah. Something that we've kind of briefly talked about before is sharing your faith online and uh, mm-hmm. also in a professional setting too, right? Which is kind of a tricky thing to balance, especially totally. in today's society and culture and just how things usually go. Um, First, how does faith play into your career and your business and kind of how you work? Um, but also, like, what's your kind of philosophy around sharing faith in a work setting or especially even online? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. It's something that I'm always learning and love to talk to people about because we have different strategies and different ideas on how to do it. Um, I think it's pretty easy to see how not to do it. There's a lot of examples of Christians out there doing a lot of horrible stuff in the name of Christianity, and that's not new. That's always happened, but it's just in new new ways to us. So not like that. I, mean, I think yelling and screaming and shouting and being mad at people and judging them is not going to get you anywhere, and it's also not scriptural. Like, Jesus hung out with everybody, like everybody, and he wasn't, like, bashing them and telling them that they were horrible people. He was just, like, sharing his life with them, and I think that is ultimately, like, the model that we should be after is, like, make as many friends as you can just be with them don't smack them over the head with the bible like mm. those rules apply to christians if you're not a christian like you know those like <laughs> those rules don't apply to you like that's not you're just lost and i just hope that you end up not being lost right um but in terms of like how i actually play that that into my career uh i try to run my company based on biblical principles uh you know putting others first leading by example um you know just do as I say, but not as I do doesn't really work as a strategy. Mm. Um, so like that, as much of that as I can bake into like the fiber of the company and the way I, I kind of like subtly encourage the, or not so subtly sometimes the, the community to like to treat each other and to be helpful. Um, it starts to, to build an environment where those sorts of conversations end up um, happening more often. Or me, someone might realize like, this is like different. Why don't, why don't you guys behave this certain way? Or why don't you need to have like certain things documented or like whatever, like code of conduct stuff. And I don't know, there's a lot of, a lot of examples where it can play out. Um, you know, it, it's marketing on social media is a, a tricky one as well. Like how do you, how do you put your true authentic self out there without like hiding your faith, um, but without scaring everybody off because that's like hardly the point in the first place, right? right. And um, I think the Bible has a lot to offer there. Like in in Second Timothy chapter two, verses 23, 24, I pulled this out ahead of time. Um, 
don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. I think that's like the social media handbook right there. Like, mm. don't engage with foolish, stupid arguments. Don't just jump in there and lob a grenade and like, you know, stir up crap. Just be kind to everyone. Teach when you're able um, and f make yourself able to teach and not resent anything. And I think that's a pretty key verse because it's pretty easy to look at your peers and see those of them that have been more successful than you by a worldly term, right? Like, oh, such and such, you know, like sold his company or like this thing blew up and made millions or whatever. And you'd like start to subtly resent them. Like, oh man, how dare, I had the same idea. How dare he or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Like who, that's great. Good for them. Like money's not the goal. That's not how you win on planet earth in life. So you know, keeping all of that in mind is, is really important. Um, you know, just, I don't know. That's all I got off the top of my head. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> I mean, I'm right there with you. I think actually yeah. I'm really glad you brought up that verse because uh, quarrelsome seems like the perfect word to describe social media and all the sort of different things yeah. going on. It's just like people stirring the pot or it's a lot of like passive aggressive stuff a lot of times. Um, it is. And one of the things that I think I liked that you said was, uh, you know, like how do you share your kind of true and authentic self without sharing your faith? And I think it's like, so that's like one end of the spectrum. And then the other end is like, don't be quarrelsome. Right. So it's like, how can you basically share your faith in a way that isn't quarrelsome? And I think that you're going to be on the right track. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and ho you hope for those opportunities where, you know, only so much stuff can happen on Twitter. Like I'm not evangelizing. I'm not like preaching. That's not like the goal of any of it. Right. Um, but sometimes someone you've known on Twitter for a long time, you end up at a conference together and you have a chance to actually hang out and really good conversations have from happen from that. Mm -hmm. Or you end up, you know, like sometimes someone will slide into my DMS with like a hard life question. Like, Hey, I don't, I don't know. You seem like a guy who maybe can help me with this. And this it's happened. And there's an opportunity top on Skype or on a phone call, or just write like an encouraging email and like have a chance to like lay out some more depth in the faith. And that has happened not a small amount of times. And I'm really thankful for those opportunities. Mm. That's yeah. That's interesting to say that because I think, um, especially when you're young, I think you hear a lot like, uh, well, just live your life differently and like people will notice and be like, Oh, you're different. And then that's, that'll be like your kind of like entry into like sharing your faith. But it, it doesn't seem or feel super practical and I'm kind of oversimplifying it and, uh, and maybe mm -hmm. like in a sarcastic tone a little bit kind of like uh, sure. representing yeah. it in that way. Yeah, we're a little jaded and that's okay. Right. But also I think you've said something really key, which is like after you've built relationships with people, especially strangers mm -hmm. and uh, ironically enough for you know people like you and me who work remotely and you have kind of like a lot of Twitter friends, online friends, people that you know but don't. Uh, where you know about, but you don't necessarily know personally. Um, right. But for you, I mean, there have been those situations where it actually has been fruitful and like where the way that you live or rep represent yourself actually does lead to those conversations. Um, are there any like yeah. in particular that you found really like interesting or like fruitful or that you're just glad happened? Oh, hard to pick one out without, you know, names or stories. I don't know. I've, 
I mean, you've, you've mentioned a few, like uh, someone, like you're at a conference. Again, you don't have to name any names. But I'm just curious, like, what are the different yeah. scenarios that you found yourself in, essentially? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times it'll end up being like, you know, I'm working really hard. It's like um, I'm stressed out at work. I'm, I'm burnt out. I don't know what to do. I want to start my own company. You know, like they, they look at my story and see like a, like maybe I'm further ahead on the path that they think that they want to be on. Mm. And so, you know, they like ask for advice. And, you know, a lot of times you have this opportunity to talk about like where those anxieties are coming from. And, you know, like uh, I just feel like I can't ever keep up or I can't like do better and everyone launches things before I do and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, look, it's not about beating someone else. There's 7 billion people on the planet. If your goal, like if you need to sell a thousand of something to like make a living for your family, there's a different thousand than that guy's million, mm-hmm. right? Like you can get there. It's okay. You, the goal doesn't have to be whatever seven, eight figure world domination. Um, <laughs> right? No, no, that's not mine at all. I just want to be able to support my family without having to be anxious about where it's coming from. However, and we may get into this, I don't know, like based on some of the questions you sent over, um, relying on God daily is also something that is important for us. And so the Mm. more you're, you find yourself like self-confident about your ability to make money, then, uh, you know, the, the less you feel like you actually need to rely on God for stuff. Mm. And so there's a, there's a balance there that I'm not sure we'll ever get perfect because we're broken people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, th- those, those are the kind of conversations where, you know, a couple times I've been able to like lay out the whole gospel and, you know, some it's electronic. I don't, you know, like they'll go dark and, you know, I hope, I hope things paid off and a couple, couple have a couple have come to come to faith and it's been pretty good yeah interesting that's amazing yeah. i'm really glad you shared that because you know these are the kind of things that people just don't know about or they don't think one of the things I, I find too is like a lot of people just don't maybe like see it out to the end like you know it's i don't know uh, a yeah. year in or it's um a couple of days even sometimes and then you're like it's mm-hmm. not working i don't feel like it's working so it must not be working and i'm just not going to do this anymore i'm not going right. to try anywhere it's this doesn't work for me um, but it's yeah, like everything transformational. Yeah, exactly. But like <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight. It takes years sometimes and it takes, um, yeah. a lot of investment in relationships, especially, um, looking, looking back for yourself, what have been, uh, some of like some of the ways that you've grown personally or like some of the things that you've gone through that you've helped kind of, uh, you feel like helped shape who you are today and become a better uh, mm-hmm. man of God. Uh, I, I think I keep relearning. God's must like, <laughs> he's like, this one's really important. We can't move on until you get this one. Um, Cause I keep having to learn it over and over again is how to wait on God. Like God's mm. timing, totally different than mine. And we need to just trust in him day by day that his plan and his timeline is better than ours. And uh, you know, that's like, even when you think you got it, like, all right, here's a new opportunity, God, I'm going to wait on you. And then like, it doesn't happen in your timing. And you're like, but God, I thought we had a deal. Like we had a, <laughs> we had a thing going here. <laughs> like the most recent example for me is we're, we're, we're moving to Florida and we decided to do this a year ago, like last spring. And we put the house on the market at the end of the summer and the house didn't sell. Like we actually like deals fell through and stuff happened and we didn't sell the house. And so we're here for another winter. I'm like, but 
we were so confident that this was like you wanted us to move and like there's so many clear signs and whatever that that seemed like this was the time to do it and just didn't happen and you know so we said all right we're gonna try again next year unless something happens and um without the house being on the market or anything like someone just came by and like hey we saw that your house was for sale like a while ago you still want to sell it and they like put an offer and they bought it so like now like now it's kind of cool because it's like god's timing god played realtor we had nothing to do with any of it and he's like all right so i'm a little more confident now that things Hmm. you know are at a better time but Again, things can be coincidental. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's just like God's timing. Just waiting on that is is something that uh, I need to keep re- keep learning and, and probably will never get perfect at. Definitely. Um, and then trust trusting in him, like actually living in faith day by day is something that I'm, I'm doing, right? So like Statomic specifically, we don't have reoccurring revenue like a traditional SaaS. We don't have, you don't pay 10 bucks or a hundred bucks a month for it. You buy it once and then you can pay for an upgrade like years later maybe um there's some add-ons we take a little cut like whatever but every every sale every every dollar we make comes from someone deciding to use it again or use it for the first time and so every month we start on like february 1st with zero dollars and zero guaranteed revenue and i mean history will show that like it's gonna happen but it sometimes feels like it's not going to um but it always has like by the end of the month all the bills are paid payroll's paid you know we've got get to put a little in savings or whatever and things are good and um you know part of me wants that to change like i'd love to you know work it out or find a way to you know guarantee success but the other part of me wonders if i would not um if that if my faith in god would suffer hmm. if i had that guaranteed hmm. so i don't know so i just spend it all in that way <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Ta-da! enjoy walking yeah, yeah. That, i mean that's yeah. a really interesting dynamic and um I, I i like what you said because i was i was gonna ask because you know like waiting on god trusting god like there's kind of like these cliches sometimes but like if you don't dig into what that actually means for someone it can just kind of mm-hmm. spin around your head and just go in one ear and out the other so um, it's a really good practical example. And I think a lot of us can, uh, can definitely attest to, you yeah. know, especially business owners, right? Uh, most businesses in the world are not reoccurring. <laughs> and so it's a very real thing that people experience, yeah. you know, of like, we just totally. got to go and make more sales. We just got to go talk to more people make some more phone calls, send some more emails, um, which is just a harsh reality, but also a testament to God's faithfulness and, and the lessons he wants to totally. teach us in life. Yeah. And learning to just like trust and not to have like knee jerk, um, like panic reactions to it. Like, Oh, it's the 10th of the month and we've only sold whatever, like Mm. not enough. And, um, yeah, just like, no, it's going to work out. We keep doing what we're doing. You know, we've, we've made all the right decisions. We put the right stuff in the right place. And so far it's all worked out and it's good. Yeah. It's it's growing. Um, but it's good. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, you know, how, basically treading water, staying the same, being lukewarm, right? It, uh, basically doing mm-hmm. nothing doesn't get you in or anywhere, right? You're basically, you're going forward, you're going backwards. So looking forward mm-hmm. um, in the next, I don't know, one year, five years, 10 years, uh, even longer, like what are some of your long-term goals? Um, and like, kind of tell me about, about like the future and like what you're looking forward to. Yeah, I, you know, I am not a big long-term planner. That's maybe one of my weaknesses. I've gotten a little bit better. I kind of do the one to three year, but the five, 10, 15, I mean, honest, if 15, I'm going to be in my 
fifties. So might as well be dead, right? <laughs> might, as, might, might as well be dead. Who cares? Who cares what my 15 year old plan is? Um, who knows? But like in the more near future should be in Florida at this point. Cause like we're going to not have a house come mid April. So we might as well get another one. Yep. <laughs> that, should, that should be a thing. I'd love to be more involved in my kids homeschooling. Um, you know, at some point, I would love to do something for a living that would require me to be less connected uh, digitally, mm. maybe less time on a computer on the internet. Uh, you know, I don't know that Statomic is like the thing that I want to do until I retire. I don't know that running a content management system until then is even like, is that realistic? I don't know. Like they've only been around for 20 years. Um, right. So I don't know. Like, I, I, I'd love to be delighted by surprises and I'd love to come up with some new things to do with life uh, between now and 15 years from now. But other than that, mm. I mean, I don't have anything specific. Like right now, you know, working on some stuff, super important. We'll see what happens. Go from there. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear you there on the kind of being connected and not wanting to be connected. <laughs> I go back and forth all the time yeah. about... Uh, you know, I wish I could just, I don't know, move to a cabin in the woods and just kind of like, I don't know, like be self-sufficient and grow food and have a, I don't know, not like a farm, but like, that's like crazy, uh, you know, opposite end of the spectrum. But also I think there's this constant tension too, of like grass is always greener on the other side. Like it always seems like something else is better. You're going to be so lonely, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I see something in the middle because that's where usually the good stuff is like, inside the extremes where, you know, it's a lot more real life in-person community. And I, I, I hope that's something that we can find or grow or cultivate in, in Florida. I'm hoping that can be something that's part of our future. Mm. And if I have anything to say with it, it will, but again, God's plans are different and we'll just see what, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So wrapping up here a little bit, but uh, if you can go back and have a heart-to-heart with uh, 18-year-old Jack um, about, you know, what it means to be a man, give him advice, uh, have a heart-to-heart, right? What would you say to him? You know, it's like the time travel paradox. Like, if I said anything, <laughs> would I... I want to I end up here where I'm at. Like, I mm. love where my life... I mean, not that it's been perfect, but I love where things have gone. But um, if I were to talk to another 18-year-old, um, you know, find a mentor, hmm. you know, find someone who can like pour their life into you, who's willing to do that and will go out of their way. Uh, if you can't find one, like find a couple of good Christian dudes who you can, you know, do that together, like dig into the Bible and pray and like hold each other accountable. I've had that. And that has been hugely important for me. Someone like, if you have the time to like post on Instagram or Twitter or like TikTok or whatever the youngest, whoever we're talking, whatever they use, whatever network is their preference. If you have time to do one of those a day, you can text a friend with a question mark. Like, did you read your Bible today? Just like, boom, question mark. Yes, no. Like, can you hold each other accountable? I think that stuff's really important. Mm. Um, in life, like life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So a lot of the things that, that have value and that are important will take a lot longer than you expect. Mm. And if you plan accordingly and pace yourself accordingly, you're going to end up doing a better job of it because you're not going to burn out mm. uh and stop eating at chinese buffets you're gonna get fat 
Good advice. Good advice. There you go. Good advice. I I think we've all been through that phase. Um, (laughs) Any favorite books or books that you recommend to others the most often? Yeah. So I, I cannot read very much um, like self-help nonfiction, that kind of stuff. Like I'm not a big, I'm, I just love reading good narratives, good stories, mostly fantasy. Mm. I think everybody should read the song of Albion trilogy. It's written by Stephen Lawhead in the early mid nineties. And it's a fantasy series. It's kind of has like a strong allegorical component, kind of, kind of somewhere in between Lord of the Rings and Narnia. Hmm. And it is, it's really well written. It's a fast read. It's really good. Um, I I recommend it to Matt Stauffer. If anyone knows who he is and he like, he finally read it and he's like, dude, these books are so good. I got to read them every year. I read them. I read them almost every year. Really? Read them. Wow. Okay. And yeah, I've read them at least 15 times. So, um, yeah, highly recommend Song of Albion trilogy. That's super cool. I, the, the books that people reread are always the books that I'm the most interested in. Like, Hmm, there's gotta be something here because otherwise you wouldn't waste your time. Right. It's like movies that you rewatch, uh, especially, um, who do you look up to personally? Like who do you, uh, either admire or try to model after or, or learn from. Yeah. Um, my mentor whose name I cannot mention is a huge role model to me. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends, uh, Jimmy Wallace and Tom Jagger, like my two like closest friends, they are, uh, you know, like hugely important in my life. Look up to them. We look up to each other. Uh, and I'd say Michael Shore would be number three. He's like the most brilliant comedy writer and it has nothing to do with, <laughs> with faith. I just think he's freaking hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. And finally, if you could say one thing to the next generation of Christian men, you know, people growing up today, uh, and next generation is subjective. You know, that can be people in their twenties, in their tens, in their zeros. Um, but if you could say one thing to those, uh, to those people, to the next generation, what would it be? I think I just did. But uh, yeah, find a mentor, and mm. if you can't, uh, or and at least also. Um, find some some close christian friends who you can get together with in person or call or facetime or snapchat and hold each other accountable because that has been the one of the best you know anchors in my life going forward Hmm. and um you know we we're supposed to be in the world but not of it so like culture is intentionally misleading and we think there's value where there isn't or there's wolves in sheep's clothing and i think it's important that we have each other to help look look for those things and look um, for the truth behind a lot of facades and, uh, having, having good Christian brothers and sisters are, is is super important. Like iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jack, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me, for spending your time. Uh, especially as an entrepreneur, I know that there's probably an endless, uh, to do list, right. And things that are always trying to grab your attention. So appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate you taking the time with me. Um, it's been awesome. And so if anyone wants to learn more about you, get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Probably Twitter. I'm, that's kind of my primary like social thing. So twitter.com slash, uh, Jack McDade would probably be, that's how you're going to get me. Perfect. My DM, my DMS are open. Nice. Slide right in everyone. Um, That's right. <laughs> so for everyone listening, thank you so much again. Uh, if you appreciated this episode, if you learned something, um, tweet at Jack, uh, Instagram me, post about it, share it with someone you, you might uh, think it's interesting for. Um, and also we got a couple cool new projects for Cult of Keep and Keep, so don't forget to look in the show notes. Otherwise, we will see you in the next one. Thank you.